Leslie Ludy, host of the Set Apart Podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. We are on part 13 of the Christ-Centered Mentoring Series, and we're going to be looking today at a biblical perspective on handling criticism and personal attack. Before we jump in, I wanted to remind you that there are some great resources on the Set Apart Girl website, and you can click the links in this podcast description. If you're not yet a subscriber to the Set Apart magazine, this is a beautiful resource for women of every age. It's beautifully designed, it's ad-free, and each page is just filled with poignant, rich biblical truth. So that's a great tool for spiritual refueling and encouragement this year. So I invite you to check that out, as well as our online mentoring program, which has loads of digital resources to strengthen you spiritually. And you'll find information about our 2023 Set Apart Conference, which is happening in June. And our theme this year is Valiant, Becoming a Woman of Heavenly Strength. We'd love to have you join us in Colorado or via simulcast. So click the links in this podcast description or go to setapartgirl.com for those resources. So let's talk about a biblical perspective on personal attacks. There's an interesting scripture in James 3 where he says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. Now, the context there denotes God's judgment, God really holding us accountable, those of us who teach and influence others. But I found in my own life that not only is there that greater accountability before God when we have influence over others, but we also receive stricter judgment from people whenever we're stepping into any kind of ministry. Now, you may not feel like a leader or a teacher or an influencer, but think about the fact that even if you are influencing one life, you are in a leadership position. And And there is that stricter judgment that comes with that territory. So as we've talked about in other podcasts, the importance of being steeped in truth because we are accountable to God for the way that we influence others, but also to be ready for the attack and the criticism that comes from other people when we're in any kind of an influential position. Now, this is a tough pill to swallow for a lot of us. And for me, I didn't really know that this came with the territory when I first stepped into full-time ministry. And I wasn't quite ready for it. I wasn't quite expecting it. There's a quote that I heard Elizabeth Elliot say a number of years ago. She said, loneliness is a required course for leadership. I heard that quote before I was in leadership, and then once I was in ministry, I understood it so much better because even though I was around people all the time, every day, investing into their lives, the people I was around were mostly Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ. I had never felt so alone or isolated or misunderstood as I did when I stepped into ministry, when I began sharing truth with others. Because as soon as I stepped into ministry, as soon as I had a voice in people's lives, as I've said previously, I became the brunt of constant spiritual attack. And one of the chosen methods of the enemy to attack those who are in an influential position is through the accusation and criticism of other people, personal attack. People that I had always loved and trusted and never thought would have an issue with me suddenly turned on me, began to attack me, began to criticize me, began to find fault with me. And I wasn't sure how to process that. I became very depressed and very discouraged. And it got to the point where I didn't even know who I could trust in the body of Christ. And that's a really difficult place to be. And I was a young woman at this time without a lot of life experience to look back on and say, how do I walk through this in a healthy biblical way? 
Now, I talked about this in a lot of detail in a two-part series that I did on hurtful Christians. So you can go back and listen to that for a deeper look into my own journey, my own experience in being personally attacked and reviled and criticized by others, especially in those early days of ministry. But today, I want to encourage you with some biblical principles for handling personal attack and criticism because you might find that as you step into mentoring or as you are in any kind of ministry, any kind of position where you are influencing others towards truth, this becomes an issue for you. And it might surprise you and confuse you. And you might wonder, should I walk away? Should I give up? Am I doing something wrong? And that's really oftentimes what the enemy's end game is, to try to get us to be discouraged and give up through that criticism and that personal attack that seems to come with the territory of ministry. So it's very important to get God's perspective on personal attack and criticism because he has provided everything that we need to walk through this triumphantly and to stay true to the calling that he has placed on our lives and not to be defeated by criticism and personal attack. The first principle that I want to remind you of is that it is an honor to share in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. And personal attack and criticism, being falsely accused, being misunderstood, being the brunt of people's reviling, is part of sharing in the fellowship of his sufferings. That is what Christ went through. Part of his suffering on our behalf was to be constantly misunderstood, falsely accused, and personally attacked. It can be very easy to feel confused when you are the brunt of criticism and attack, especially when it seems to come out of the blue. And like I said, it's one of the things the enemy tries to use to turn us inward and make us feel insecure and discouraged like we are doing something wrong. But remember this, if you are truly walking in the light, if you are open every day to the correction of the Spirit of God, you are not walking in pride, you're not hardening your heart to his correction, you're walking closely with him, then the likelihood is that personal attack is coming again. Against you, not because you're doing something wrong, but because you are doing something right. And it is actually an honor to be misunderstood and falsely accused when we are walking in obedience to God. The Bible actually says this is a cause for rejoicing. There's a really amazing verse in Acts 5, the story of the apostles. The early apostles were called before the leaders of the church. They were beaten and they were commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus. And then they were released. And it says they departed from the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. Now, shame in this verse means to dishonor, to insult, and to treat with contempt. Now, I don't know if you've ever walked through that kind of shame, but I have. And to be dishonored, to be insulted, and to be treated with contempt is one of the most unpleasant feelings I've ever had. And it's really only by the grace of God that we can actually rejoice when we are dishonored and insulted and treated with contempt. But we need to remember that God's grace is available to us, and this is a privilege. So when we can see it from a heavenly perspective, there is that joy that can come into our soul because we recognize that this is a way of sharing in the fellowship of his sufferings. And it's an honor that we've been counted worthy to share in the fellowship of his sufferings. It says in Philippians 3.10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. There is an intimacy with Christ that Paul is talking about here that we can discover personally through attacks and false accusation and criticism. It's this closeness to Christ because he has walked that path as well. He is not asking us to walk through anything that he didn't walk through through himself. And it's a beautiful gift to enter into that deeper intimacy called the fellowship of his sufferings. And that's one of the reasons we can rejoice through this kind of suffering because it can draw us closer to Christ. 
Jesus said in John 15, 18, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. Just a reminder that he has walked this path before us. 1 Peter 2, 20 and 21 says, if when you do what is right and suffer for it, you patiently endure it, this finds favor with God. For you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you, leaving an example for you to follow in his steps. And then Philippians 1.29 says, To you it has been granted on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. It's granted to us like a privilege, as a position of honor, as a way of walking in his footsteps, as a way of sharing in the fellowship of his sufferings. We can never repay him for what he has done for us, but sharing with him in a small part of his sufferings through being reviled, misunderstood, falsely accused, personally attacked. It's one way of showing our love and gratitude for him when we don't grumble through that, but we rejoice in it and we allow it to draw us closer to him. We need to remember that suffering for him is a gift. It's a privilege. It shows that he has counted us worthy of partaking in a small measure of his sufferings. It's like Stephen who was counted worthy to suffer tremendously, but also to receive a standing ovation from the king of all kings. And suffering for his sake refines us. It makes us more like him. It teaches us a deeper level of surrender and obedience. It says in Hebrews 5, 8 about Jesus, though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And what an incredible thought that Jesus walked through a process of learning obedience through his suffering. And he wants to do that same work in our lives. So before you immediately just assume that personal attack and false accusation is a bad thing, something to be avoided at all costs, remember these principles that if you are walking closely with Christ and walking in obedience to him, it is actually a gift and a privilege to suffer with him in this way. Another key principle to remember is that this kind of personal attack, attack for your stand with Christ, attack for stepping out in obedience to him, shows that you are on the right track in your spiritual walk. I have found for me when I've been criticized and falsely accused and personally attacked, the immediate assumption is that I must be doing something wrong. But again, if you are walking in the light, if you are taking your life before him every single day, if you are allowing him to constantly refine you, if your heart is not hardened and prideful, you know that you're not walking in deliberate willful sin, but you are walking closely with Christ, then this kind of false accusation is actually a sign that you're on the right track in your spiritual walk. It says in Matthew 5, 11 and 12, blessed are you when they revile you and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad for great is your reward in heaven. And then again in Luke 6, 26, woe to you when all men speak well of you for so did their fathers to the false prophets. And then in Luke 16, 15, what is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. We need to remember that God has a very different value system from this world. We tend to think that the more people applaud us and approve us and like us, the better we are doing. And in reality, if everyone applauds us and loves us and we're extremely popular and we have no animosity in our lives, there's probably something off. There's probably some sort of compromise because when we walk closely with Christ, we do have conflict. There are people around us that will not appreciate our desire to stand with him. If it seems like everyone around you dislikes you, criticizes you, is personally attacking you without a cause, it's a good sign that you're on the right track because that is how they treated the prophets, those who walked closely with God, who have gone before us. 
So those are just a few basic principles that might encourage you if the enemy is hitting you hard with discouragement over criticism and personal attack. Now the question is, how do we respond to personal attack in a truly healthy and biblical way? Because another way that the enemy often baits us when we're being attacked and criticized is to try to tempt us to respond in the same spirit. So we feel like we're justified in being harsh and critical and judgmental and gossipy towards others if they've treated us badly. But there is a very specific pattern in scripture for how we are to handle this kind of treatment. And one of the biggest things to guard against is to fall into the same trap where we're starting to exemplify the same characteristics as the person who's attacking us. And that is possible by the grace of God. So I want to walk through a few of those principles. If you find yourself the brunt of criticism and personal attack, here are some biblical ways to respond. And the first one is don't turn inward. The enemy loves to use criticism to cause us to turn inward and become so preoccupied with ourselves. And really, the Christian life is not to be about self. It's not to be constantly thinking about self but to be thinking about Christ, his truth, and about others. And so when we're personally attacked and criticized, the temptation is to either want to justify our own lives and constantly prove that we're, you know, we're fine and we're good and we don't deserve any of this attack, or to become really insecure and have this obsessive introspection and self-critical. And that's the one that the enemy hits me with a lot. If I'm being criticized by others, I can easily take that bait and become very self-critical. And it's still a focus on self. It's still not where my focus is supposed to be as a child of God. There was one time that Eric and I were the brunt of a lot of criticism and personal attack, and it was from people that we had trusted and poured into and prayed for and invested into, people in the body of Christ. It was very hard to walk through. And every single day for a couple of weeks as we were going through this, our prayer times and our quiet times were all about introspection. God, show us why this is happening. Show us what we're doing wrong. Show us what's wrong with us, that these people are attacking us. And then one day, Eric just got a very clear sense that God spoke to his heart and said, this is a distraction. You need to stop thinking about yourselves and overanalyzing yourself and turn your eyes upward and outward. And we began to recognize it for a distraction and how it had pulled our eyes away from Christ, away from his truth, away from the calling he had given us and just focused us inward. So be very guarded against turning inward. Don't spend hours trying to justify or defend yourself or self-evaluate. Now, it's perfectly fine to take it before God and say, Lord, is there any part that I have had in this attack? Is there anything I need to make right? But once you have done that, don't allow the enemy to make this sort of a self-focused introspection and obsession and self-critical party because that's easy to have happen. Amy Carmichael has a few really convicting statements about this in her book, If. One of them says, If the praise of man elates me and his blame depresses me, then I know nothing of Calvary love. And that is so, so convicting because how often do we allow our emotions to go up and down based on what other people think about us? If the praise of men elates us and makes us feel excited and, you know, great about life, but then the moment we get blamed for something, we're depressed and we're morose and we're discouraged. The problem with that is that we're so focused on self and we're not putting our foundation in Christ and having that rock solid truth beneath our feet that keeps us steady and focused on him. Another quote she says is, if I'm perturbed by reproach and misunderstanding, if I cannot commit the matter and go on in peace and in silence, remembering Gethsemane and the cross, then I know nothing of Calvary love. 
Going on in peace and in silence when we've been reproached or misunderstood requires the grace of God because what we want to do is vent our frustrations to someone or self-justify or respond in the same spirit or obsess over it or become depressed over it. God's saying, can you commit the matter to me and go on in peace and in silence focused on what I've called you to do by my grace? If we go after that grace, it is there for us. I have found that to be true when it did not seem Like I had the capacity to commit the matter to him and go on in peace. He gave me the grace when I asked for it, and I was able to do that. It all has to do with where we fix our gaze. It says in the Psalms that when we look to him, we will be radiant and our faces will never be ashamed. And so if you find yourself walking in a place of downcast face and depressed attitude and constant discouragement, think about where the gaze of your soul is really pointed because when it's pointed at Jesus and fixed upon Jesus, our faces will be radiant and never ashamed. Another key principle we touched on earlier is that We are to rejoice when we're personally attacked and criticized because it shows that we are on the right track spiritually. And Jesus says in Luke 6, rejoice in that day and leap for joy for indeed your reward in heaven is great for in like manner their fathers did to the prophets. This is an incredible privilege. We're walking in the footsteps of the heroes of the faith. So let's take a moment to rejoice. And I once heard a missionary say that you can't be worried or bitter or depressed and rejoice at the same time. So kind of kicks out those negative negative emotions and distractions and gets us focused on the right thing. I have learned how to rejoice whether I feel like it or not, just choosing to agree with God's word and commanding my emotions to come in alignment with that reality. That doesn't always mean I feel like these warm, happy, bubbly feelings when I'm falsely accused or personally attacked, but choosing, commanding my soul to rejoice, choosing to rejoice in the reality that this is a gift and a privilege and God will get glory through it is an exercise of soul that he offers grace for. And it brings an incredible breakthrough when we're willing to do that. Another principle is to overcome evil with good. And this has to do with responding in the opposite spirit when we're personally attacked. It says in Romans 12, 20 and 21, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, overcome here means to conquer and to come off victorious, and with good means pleasant, joyful, excellent, upright, happy, and honorable behavior. So when you are treated badly, if you choose to have a pleasant, joyful, happy, excellent, upright, and honorable attitude toward that person, to do the opposite to them that they are doing to you, you actually overcome and come off victorious in this sort of battle of who's going to win the victory here spiritually. We win the spiritual victory when we stand with this principle of loving our enemies and overcoming evil with good. It says in 1 Peter 3, 9, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead, for you were called for this very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. And I've mentioned before on this podcast, Otto Koning's story called The Weapon of Love. He was a missionary to New Guinea among people who were very dark and very much in need of the gospel, cannibals and headhunters and people given over to violence. And he had two tribal people who were very much against his ministry there and constantly tried to scare him, threaten his life, threaten the life of his children, constantly try to put hindrances in his way and stop his ministry from moving forward. And both of them were wounded to the point where they would die if they didn't get medical help. 
help. He was the only one who could help them. And he really was tempted to let them die because he thought, you know, my life will be so much easier if they aren't around. And God convicted him with this principle of overcoming evil with good. And so he went and he saved their lives. And for the rest of his ministry, they served him. They honored him. He was victorious in that battle against light and darkness because of this principle of overcoming evil with good. Now, we probably won't be put in that extreme of a situation with personal attack, but in a small way, how can we pray for those who are personally attacking us, forgive them, do kind things to them, respond in the opposite spirit? There is an amazing spiritual blessing that is unlocked when we do that. And another principle is to resist the enemy. We've talked about spiritual warfare in mentoring, and I mentioned that one of the ways the enemy attacks us in mentoring and in ministry is through the attacks of other people. But we need to remember the principle of Ephesians 6.12, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness. And so our battle is not against these people, particularly it is against the spiritual forces working through them. And I have had to struggle before with why do Christians become a tool in the hand of the enemy to personally attack those that are walking in obedience to God? And the answer is that a lot of times even Christians have those breaches in their life, those access points for the enemy, and he tries to get into wherever there's a weakness or a habitual sin or something that has not been shored up spiritually and work through those people to bring discouragement or to bring attack to other Christians. So remember that you are not fighting against the person, but against the spiritual forces working through that person. It says in James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And so we can take a stand against the work of the enemy through the attacks of other people say, no, this is not going to hinder and command the enemy to back off through this particular hindrance of personal attack and criticism. Because of our position in Christ, he has given us the authority to resist the enemy. And when that attack is even coming through people, we're not rebuking the person, we're rebuking and resisting the spirit trying to work through them to bring hindrance into our lives or the ministry God has called us to. As I've shared before, God gave me a promise when we were starting Ellerslie, our discipleship training program, and we were coming under an incredible amount of personal attack from people in our lives. The promise he gave me was from Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And at that time, the things that were being said about us and the way we were being attacked felt so insurmountable. It felt so impossible to overcome. But as I stood upon that scripture and I resisted the enemy and I reminded the enemy of my position in Christ, and I said, this will not defeat me. This will not hinder me from walking forward in what God has called me to. It was amazing how the promise of that verse became real in my life, that the weapons coming against us were not able to prosper. The tongues that were rising against us in judgment, their words were not able to land anywhere. They were not able to stick. They were not able to hinder what God had called us to do. And if I had just been distracted by their words, by their criticism, and not stood on those principles, I don't even know that Ellerslie would be in existence today. Sometimes we have to keep pressing forward, even when the noise of the enemy is extremely loud by the grace of God. And on the other side of that, we recognize that the enemy was trying to put a stumbling block, a hindrance in our way, but God gave us the victory. And that is a very exciting reality for Christians. Also, some final thoughts here. We need to guard against criticism coming into our own lives. When we've been attacked by others, it's easy to want to let our guard down and feel like we can let critical words towards others slip out or just sort of cloaked 
you know, criticism towards others on our social media pages or whatever it is. It's like a way of retaliating or it's a way of allowing the sin of somebody else to gain a foothold in our life. And then it becomes a stumbling block for us if we develop a critical attitude towards others. When we are walking in obedience to God and others are walking in darkness, it can be easy to get into this prideful attitude where we feel like we see clearly and everybody else doesn't see clearly and we become haughty and arrogant and critical towards other people. We need to really guard against that by the grace of God and recognize that anything that God has given us, we have received from him. There's nothing special about us. It's all totally because of him that we have the ability to even influence others for truth. So keeping that humble attitude, not allowing criticism or gossip or attacking others to even gain a toehold in our lives. Oswald Chambers once said that God does not give us discernment in order that we may criticize, but so that we can intercede. If you see something in others' lives that you are tempted to criticize, remember that God may be showing you something, but not so that you can criticize or attack them, but so that you can intercede for them because you are not the one who can change them. Only he can. So I hope these principles will encourage you if you've struggled with the area of criticism and personal attack in ministry. And I want to encourage you that this is a very normal part of the process of influencing others. And God can teach you so much through it. He can lead you so much closer to him through it. And he will give you the victory if you stay rooted and grounded in him and fix your eyes upon him. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into any of these principles, visit us at setapartgirl.com and see the many resources that we have for you there. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.